When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of the critically acclaimed book, Fall of the Boston Celtics, which you can still download for free by logging on to www.clnsradio.com slash book. Welcome on in to another edition of Celtics Beat being brought to you today by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Audible. Audible is the leading source of audiobooks online with over 180,000 downloadable titles to choose from. And because of your listenership, Audible is offering your first audiobook on them by simply logging on to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Today is Sunday, August 9th, 2015, and I am Larry H. Russell, and this is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio being presented to you today by our great sponsors, lynda.com and audible, lynda.com slash CLNS for a free 10-day trial of online video tutorials, and of course, Claim your first free audiobook on us at audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Okay, Sekou Smith of NBA.com and NBA TV will be our guest a little later in the show. Been a while since we've had Sekou on, about a year now. Looking forward to catching up with him. I have a decent amount to talk about with Sekou, but I'd like to touch base on the Boston Celtics here on Ahem, Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. One really irritating story that's been out there that's made its way around and has largely been contrived, collaborated, manipulated by a few in the media who haggled some players on the team asking if they were bothered that they couldn't wear you know, a certain number. And then these same writers then go out and write some sort of column on their own discussing how it's this huge issue, pretty much making this storyline up totally along the way. No, not the way the media does things. They never do that, right? Not those highly ethical journalists whose job is to report on the story, not make the story. Well, they did so here. Not really much going on in August. There really won't be until we get a little closer to camp in one of the first storylines we, along with Everyone else will watch will be the end of the roster. Celtics will have to shed one name at least, but that's all speculating now as we do not have any information from camps, any preseason action to analyze ourselves. So I guess they run with this, and it's too bad. Won't really hear me discuss it largely because it's a storyline in which I believe was made up by someone to generate the faintest of controversies in August. There's obviously zero, and I mean a 0% chance of it happening anyways. So since others are talking about it in other online communities and on our Facebook page, 
I'll be fair to you guys here on Solid Speed, and we will make it our reached question of the day, which this week is being brought to you by Dr. Ron's Ultra Pure Nutritionals, the additive-free company. Yes, additive-free. Dr. Ron's supplements contain no magnesium stearate or other flowing agents, binders, lubricants, coatings, fillers, GMOs, or other added ingredients of any kind. Trying to recover from injury or heal joint pain, fill vitamin deficiencies, gain muscle, sleep better, increase sex drive, well, I personally cannot recommend Dr. Ron's products enough. This week, I would like to feature my personal go-to for post-workout nutrition, Dr. Ron's Colostrum Powder, which is the most imperative product I use for post-workout recovery. It's available only at www.drrons.com, and to receive a discount on your order, enter Celtics at the end of your order or mention Celtics over the phone if you order at 877-472-8701. Again, 877-472-8701. Mention Celtics. So Celtics speak audience. Should the Celtics unretire numbers, just head on over again to R-E-A-C-H-T-A-P-P.com slash CLNS or grab the link and feel free to contribute to the discussion over on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. I will leave it at that. I voice my opinions in our Facebook group and other whereabouts. The other storyline that's going along this summer is Jared Sullinger going on a propaganda campaign. And I know, I think it was back in February, I went on a dietary rant about Jared Sullinger. And this was well before his weight was even a story. Well before the Jackie Mack piece, etc., etc. And I said what I said. But anyways, I am tired of hearing that, quote-unquote, Jared Sullinger needs to lose weight. I actually hate when anyone says that because, to more accurately say it, it's Jared Sullinger at point. He needs to lose fat because... People, when they do idiotically think they need to lose weight, they just starve themselves, do cardio, and, you know, enough. Sure enough, what do I see? I see Jared Sullinger post a flabby picture of himself. Yes, down a few pounds, but his body is far from something to die for, jogging. Face palm, it's easy to eat less now. It's easy not to reach for those garbage carbohydrates, but just wait. Season starts, play a lot more games, and it becomes virtually impossible to put down that fruit or the Gatorade or the other crap. Heck, I know I always get in far worse shape during the summer when I lose a good size you know, portion of my muscle. I gain a, you know, a ton of water weight, and I have to do it's because I do endless cardio, although it's not by choice. It's endless cardio I hate. It's just what I do outside of having the privilege to speak with you every week on the show. My silly life demands it. It's not a choice that I have. It's why I'm in much better physical condition during winter months when I'm allowed to rest. But Jared is doing this by choice, so that's what I see here with Sollinger. Yeah, he's likely calorie counting both at the dinner table and in the gym and maybe baking a difference on the scale, but he's sacrificing strength doing it, I assume so. But we're going to put this on record right now. We will see. Wait and see. Season starts. You got practice, flying from here to there, games, plus all the other training that comes with it. That weight is going to be right back on because it is as clear as day he's not doing it right. And even worse... Those that are surrounding him are not leading him in the right direction. I mean, John Lucas, are you kidding me? Since when did John Lucas become the beacon of knowledge for anyone or anything? Just because he spent a good portion of his life torching his body all of a sudden means he's an expert on personal health now? Excuse me, that that's just laughable. I'd take stock tips from Kermit the Frog before I'd take personal health advice from John Lucas. It's utterly ridiculous. He's using... His past failures to gain personal connections. He's done this for 20 years. Gain connections, get in people's ears, give them horrible advice, be it health or financial. Just ask Antonio McDice, many others. I mean, so it's a joke. And these pictures, you know, that are being released here on social media, it's all propaganda. 
and even so, I mean, these pictures aren't really anything to look at. There's still plenty of blubbery stomach fat in the kid. Plenty, and no ab exercises will not do anything. Anyone who does ab exercises to rid themselves of body fat is as dumb as John Lucas, I guess. So it's too bad Jared has these people around him because he will never be what he can be. He may come out and start out great, good start, but find the Celtics, sell high. Do it right there because in my estimations and from my own experience, it will not last the full season for him. It's just not possible. Now, strength training in short intervals and keeping your heart rate at a bare minimum the rest of the day to go along with healthy supplementation and a steak and eggs diet. Now we're talking, but sadly that isn't the case. So let's get Sekou on here before I alienate even more portions of the audience uh, with all this dietary talk and you know health you know discussion. It's been a long time since this has happened. One of the few guests who now have the claim to fame of appearing on our show three times. We like to mix it up a lot here on Celtics Beat, an array of guests. But Sekou Smith, he of NBA.com and NBA TV, he's back for round three. And the first with me as the host, our interview with Sekou is being brought to you by DraftKings. Golf's final major starts this week, and DraftKings is celebrating by giving away $3.3 million in prizes and crowning the last fantasy golf millionaire. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy golf site where you could win huge prizes every tournament. Just pick six golfers, pile up the points, and pick up your cash. Anyone can do this. Whether you love the game or just want to try a new fantasy sport, you've never experienced golf like this with every long drive and made putt bringing you closer to a million-dollar payday. Sports fans... Just like you have been winning big all year long at DraftKings, including the first three fantasy golf millionaires, you could be the next. The next event begins with the tournament, so choose your golfers before next this Thursday's tee-off. If you're a last crack at winning a million dollars playing fantasy golf at DraftKings this year, hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code NEWENGLAND to play for free for a shot to Become a millionaire. Enter New England now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. Okay, Seku. So we're here on the dog days. It's August 9th. To me, I've always felt the NBA has had the quickest doldrum period of the four major sports. It really is only this month, maybe five to six weeks. It can stretch into September there. But everything will get rolling again. Big difference from, say, the NFL, where maybe not this summer with that deflate gate thing. But usually you hear nothing about football for months on end. Basketball, different story. Just a couple weeks on the calendar year when it's all on the back burner. Yet, yet, talks are that in the coming seasons or in the near future, probably when the next labor deal is up, that the NBA season will be stretched out so that way it starts earlier, ends later, possibly even July. Short, you know, gives teams more rest during the season and at the same time shrinks this doldrum period we're talking about. Where do you come on down on that? Do you think that's a good idea at all? Well... You know, having covered the league for as long as I have, um, I would love to see the season start later. I really would. I think, you know, to butt heads with football at every level, and I'm talking Pop Warner all the way up to the NFL, doesn't, you know, it doesn't allow the season to kick off in earnest the way I'd like to see it. Um, I think a few years ago when we had the Christmas kickoff after the last work stoppage um that was kind of my ideal scenario where you use christmas day as kind of a launching pad for the season um and it gives diehard sports fans people who love 
all sports, you know, football, basketball, whatever, it gives them a chance to really lock in and focus on the NBA and the start of the NBA season on a day like Christmas when you got these awesome marquee games. Um, instead of them trying to keep up with multiple sports, you know, in late September, early October when training camps are cranking up, and, you know, and you, you half your eyeballs are on your fantasy football team and, you know, half the eyeballs are on baseball playoffs. baseball playoffs, what have you. You know what I mean? It's just a lot of competing interests when the season starts now. So, yeah, I, I think some tweaks would be uh, potentially a really good move. Yeah, it's funny, though, because it's, it's interesting you mentioned that 2012 lockout season. I know the regular season play, like the quality of play, especially early on, was a little sloppy. But I remember Bill Simmons, I believe, brought this up during that season. I actually loved it because there were so many games in such a short period of time that there was just, I mean, sometimes more is better. And in that sense, less was more because you're right. Everything started on Christmas. Christmas, the only thing that's going on really is early in the hockey season. And once again, it's like that's sort of like diehard basketball fans, diehard hockey fans. Only the diehards of each sport watch, you know, early season matchups, really. But the NBA, when it did get rolling that year on Christmas, it was sloppy, but there was just so much action. And I thought by the time the playoffs rolled around, it seemed maybe it's because the Celtics had a, a good season that year. And I, <laughs> and I mentioned I'm a Celtics fan, but I was personally more in tune with that season than I had been in any season in the last 15 years. Yeah, I think a lot of people were. Um, I think that there's something about there's something about having a stage to yourself and in the exclusivity of something like a Christmas day, which the NBA has always done Christmas day to me, as well as any sport does kind of a tent pole day in their season, um, because they find these great matchups. The games are spaced out basically from East, you know, for East coasters to West coasters starting early that day. You know, if you live in California, you get to wake up on Christmas morning tear open some gifts, eat a little, you know, breakfast, and there's games on. You know, they're playing in Madison Square Garden or Boston or somewhere before you can wipe the sleep out of your eyes, you know. And it goes all day and all night across the country, nothing but marquee matchups. You get to see the best players, the you know, the biggest names, the biggest stages, all that. I mean, I think it's just a, it's an ideal way to, to kick off your season, um, if you're the NBA, and it allows you to do so at a time of year when the sports landscape is shifting from one thing to the other. And, and of course, you know, the schedule makers have, you know, they do yeoman's work every year, obviously, getting this, pulling all this stuff together. But that, to me, becomes your real golden day if, you, if you're the NBA, is that you get to crank things up on the biggest holiday of the year. Yeah, that's. I remember mentioning this Mark D'Amico had on the show a few weeks ago. Usually Christmas Day, maybe it's because we're you know even split further away from our families anymore, and we're such materialistic now in society. Usually Christmas Day sucks, right? You open up the present, and then there's nothing to do. So it is good that there is a good slew of basketball games on. But it's funny that there's all these suggestions, and you're talking really in about in a way shortening the season. We're starting it later, and I would in a way like the season a little bit shorter. I don't think we need the full 82. Um, and I would like a later start as well. But I think that if we can, we can, everything that we do discuss, these tweaks, and we can even get into something like even like about the conferences later on, which I know is a big discussion. Me personally, 
I think the fundamental issue with the NBA right now, and there's not many because the product, I think, is as good as it's been since the 80s in terms of the talent, whatever. I think the fundamental issue with the NBA is the regular season really just doesn't mean that much, especially to certain teams. I know the San Antonio Spurs are sort of the prime example. And if you stretch out the season, give teams even more rest, and then we can even get into the stuff like pretty much eradicating the conferences and going 1-16. to If you do things like that, I think that dilutes the NBA regular season even more and makes these matchups on Christmas Day that are, yes, very intriguing, but don't hold the same luster as, say, the NFL if you want to use, like, those Brady-Peyton Manning midseason matchups or Bears-Packers or Red Sox-Yankees or whatnot. I feel like the NBA doesn't have that, and do you agree with me on that? Uh, I, I, I will be honest with you. I disagree that the regular season doesn't mean as much. Having been at the Spurs-Pelicans season finale um, in New Orleans this past season where the Spurs basically played their way out of chasing another championship. They got, you know, they got their heads handed to them by a Pelicans team that had to have that game to get into playoffs. And changed the entire, to me, the entire fortunes of the Western Conference playoffs. Because San Antonio slips down to sixth instead of, you know, finishing second or third. Uh, and it prevented the Warriors from even having to deal with them. You know, I mean, it changed the entire landscape of the playoffs. So I, I think when we're comparing sports, it's so difficult to put the NFL season in context compared to the NBA because you only have those 16 regular season games in the NFL. So there is a much different focus when you have so few games. Um, you know, the NBA, people look at it and say, well, these games don't mean much because it's a, you know, Tuesday night game in January that, you know, right now means nothing. And who knows what it might mean come the middle of April. It, you know, and the NBA schedule to me requires you to play connect the dots a little bit as the season wears on because you have to decide – does, you know, this Sunday afternoon game between two teams that at the time might not be on a collision course for anything, but say in the conference finals, they meet up and you look back and say, well, does that game that they played, you know, four months ago have any bearing on, on what we see now in this series maybe? You know, and, and I'd point to a game years ago I was covering Indiana Pacers and – they played the Detroit Pistons in a regular season game right after Detroit had traded for Rasheed Wallace. And it was the first time those two teams who had been combatants in the East, they were fighting it out for the top spot in the East. It was the first time they'd seen each other in the form that they would both have come playoff time. And Detroit just manhandled the Pacers. You know, Rasheed made a huge difference. You could tell having him change the, you know, the dynamic of how those two teams matched up. And it didn't, you know, nobody said anything at the time. You didn't think, oh, well, this this means that when they see each other in the conference finals or whatever, this, you know, this will be the precursor to what we we watch when everything's on the line. But that's exactly what happened. And I think if you can't use the context of the the entire season to gauge what's going to happen when seasons are on the line come playoff time, then yeah, it makes it more difficult to appreciate all the little nooks and crannies of an 82-game season. But if you if you look at it through that different perspective, I think it all makes sense in, in the larger scope. 
But this is where I'm going to have to retort with you. I mean, I, you can definitely bring up singular examples, you know, obviously that's for last game of the year. And then there are sort of message games that have always been sent. And you can, you know, use the back in 04, the Pistons and the Pacers, when they were clearly going to meet in the Eastern Conference Finals that year. But what, what I really mean is when you use the NFL, it's like, oh, there's only 16 games. Yes, but if you have these long extended postseasons in the NBA as you do in the NBA, the NFL in the regular season, it's 16 games, but you're playing for first-round buys. You're playing for one game at home. The NBA doesn't have that. Like if the NBA had first-round buys, as people forget, they used to for like, I want to say 10 years back in the 70s and early 80s if you won the division. And Philadelphia and Boston, everyone remembers those great playoff series they had in the early 80s. I think they met three out of five years or something like that. And even I think they met back in 77 uh, before the Bird era. People forget they had, they had these amazing playoff series, but they had unbelievable regular season games. And I remember, I think it was 81, the last game of the year, was like a bloodbath because whoever won that game won the Atlantic Division. And winning the Atlantic Division now or any other division in the NBA, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, we, we you know, win a division. Some teams actually hang banners for it, which is just utterly idiotic and just, you know, that, boorish. But back then... It was the difference between, A, getting home court advantage in the conference finals when the two teams met, and then skipping a week of playoff basketball and having to play a team like Atlanta for three games in the first round where you could lose. I mean, it's only a three-game series. All it takes is to lose one game at home and then go down there and get tripped up in two games, and you're done in a matter of days. You just sort of don't see that, and we use the San Antonio Spurs. If you want to use that example, I mean, I know you know very well a couple years ago Big rematch of the NBA Finals on TNT was Spurs-Miami. And Greg Popovich said, oh, you know, yeah, huge game, huh? They were all sitting, and that was just a complete waste. And you had people from Miami complaining. You know, they wasted all this money, paying big money for an NBA Finals rematch tickets. Not many people watched on TV. And that's sort of where I come down on that. I know, but that was a great game, if you remember. The Boris <laughs> Diaw led Spurs. Gonna watch, no, it's going to watch. That. It doesn't hold any implications, though. It turned it, into a preseason was- game. Well, if, if if you want to assume foolishly, as a lot of people did, that by sitting those starters, the Spurs are going to get beat by forty, yeah, that you know, but that's not what happened, and that's and that's exactly my point. You there's context that you only get from a season with hindsight. You know, if you go into a season knowing that this matchup of these two teams at this time will result in a bloodbath. Well, yeah, you could disregard it 80 to 90% of every season in every sport. I mean, I got a kid in high school who plays football at, at his high school. We know going in, we know their schedule, uh, you know, at the end of last season, we knew what the schedule would be this fall. And if we knew what every team was would look like based on projections, I'd skip half a season. But it's it's athletic competition, and you don't know what, the outcome might be you don't know how it's going to play out. So, therefore, you can't really disregard it on theory. You know, you have to actually watch the games and see what happens. I, I think, you know, we sometimes take for granted that every sport will be like football. And I mean NFL football, which is the NFL's hierarchy is largely determined long before anybody ever hits the field. How many times, when's the last time you watched the NFL season? And some team that was projected to be a bottom-tier team 
stunned, shocked the world and, and won a Super Bowl or was one of the better teams in the league. It doesn't happen. In the NBA and basketball, it happens all the time to me. We always end up with two or three teams oh, that I weren't supposed to with you on that big time. And then they end up overachieving. And I was, I'll tell you right now, did you think the Atlanta Hawks were a 60-win team going before last season started? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So the, the unpredictability of, of an NBA season to me lends itself to the roller coaster that is this regular season much better than you ever could in football. And that's why I said you're arguing apples and oranges when you're talking about comparing an NFL season to an NBA season. It's not, it's not a legitimate comparison. Well, we could probably go on this almost all day. I do want to switch topics, but I do. <laughs> I, I actually have to disagree with that totally. I mean, you mentioned I know Atlanta Hawks, but what about some of the, the teams that have come out out of nowhere and have appeared in Super Bowls, have won Super Bowls? Every you know the, the the 2001 Patriots that had Brady and everything. There was a Panthers team that made it. That Rams team when Kurt Warner went down. I got to disagree. Listen, with that. look, I'm a Michigan guy, so all you all you Boston area fans who are surprised that Tom Brady's been so successful, you guys obviously didn't pay attention to his four years in Ann Arbor. I, Tom Brady led my Michigan Wolverines back from 13 games they were down. During his playing career, he, they came back and won. So I'm not surprised that Tommy has turned out to be uh, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. That's The only people surprised by that are NFL fans who didn't pay attention to Tom when he was in Ann Arbor. So I'm I'm pushing back on anybody that thinks Tom Brady's some kind of shocker. He, Tommy's been winning games for a long time, and we appreciate him in Ann Arbor in ways that nobody else can. Yeah, but I know there are so many other examples in football as well, like that Kurt Warner Rams team. But we got I do. I will be on this all day. Uh, one thing I know that you'll probably, me and you will probably agree on, is there's a lot of talk about pretty much wiping out the conferences and going one to sixteen. To me, this goes back to really trying to enhance the regular season. I think if you do that, it then becomes pretty much even more. If you pretty much make division games mean it, nothing, rivalries in interconference that really don't mean anything. I think that takes a lot of the fun out of the regular season. Once again, I think I. We had you on the show, what was it, back in January 4th of, like, 2013 or 14, where you mm-hmm. said no way should they wipe out the conferences or see the playoffs 1-16, to 16, whatever they want to do. Do you still sort of stand by that, or have you sort of altered your opinion? No, I, mean, I just think the, this notion that you're going to have regional rivalries and kind of a provincial attitude about the league in the day and age, on the globe instantly, you know, to everyone. I think it's naive for me or anyone else to think that you can hang on to those traditional sensibilities about divisions. And But the thing I don't like about you, you know, saying, hey, we're going to take the top 16 no matter what. You know, we're going to take the teams with the best records. In the West, you know, the 50-win team in the West that's over there beating their head against the wall deserves to get in over this sub-500 team in the East. This, that, and the other. Well, that, that's the trophy. Everybody gets a trophy culture. It's like, hey, I understand that there are going to be some imperfections in, in a system. And it's like if we're going to legislate it all out to be what we think is fair, you know, then we, ne- we never stop changing. And, and we never hold on to anything that means uh, something, you know, historical, you know, in these matchups. So, I mean, I, I'm split. I'm, a part of me understands that you can't be married to these things when they just don't make sense anymore. But uh, the other part of me gets frustrated when somebody says, well, you know, uh, Brooklyn 
you know, Brooklyn last year, everybody's like, oh, they shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Well, yeah, they probably shouldn't. You know, if you look at it from, you know, a holistic point of view, but there's something to be said for dealing with the set of circumstances the way they are and going in, you know, going into the process and understanding that, hey, it's not going to be fair, it's not going to be perfect, um, and you have to make the most of whatever your predicament is. Now, you know, Phoenix Suns fans would tell you, hey, we'd get in the playoffs and do a much better job than Brooklyn would in their matchup. You know, and I don't, I mean, that may be true, but it also may not be. I mean, they could get in and get bounced in the first round in five games too. So the the real problem for me is you're going to take a system that is forever, like you said, relied on the divisional format and, and how that calculates, you know, throughout the course of a season, and you're going to ask teams to ignore that and play to the standard of, hey, I need to be one of the top eight teams in the conference no matter what. And once I get in, like every year in every playoff scenario, once you get in, Nobody cares anymore about who finished where and what you did in your division. It's about getting in the playoffs and playing your best. Um, and if we can get to that point in a, in a reasonable fashion, I don't really care about the minutia of how you do it, to be honest with you. And I actually agree with that point. And sort of one other thing as well is when you talk, say, let's say you replace the Brooklyn Nets or the Boston Celtics in last year's postseason with – uh, whoever's at the bottom of the West, I can't even remember at this point. Was it Phoenix? And I know Phoenix kind of got chipped a little two years ago. They went like 48 games or or some, or they finished. I don't know what it was. They was some, they, they had a good season and they couldn't yeah, they get in. They won 49 in. games and didn't get in. Yeah. And, I mean, I know it's sort of like, you know, oh, it's unfair. But if you look at it from a black and white perspective, the Phoenix Suns in the postseason has no, does not change the landscape of that NBA season exactly. whatsoever. It doesn't. You know, like the, the Boston Celtics being in doesn't change anything over the Phoenix Suns being in. Cleveland still would have advanced. Uh, the Warriors still would have advanced right. and, and whatnot. And I think that if you do make this 1-16, to 16, especially if you wipe out divisions, and I used that. I'm always going to use a Boston example on the show. I'm sorry. But I used that Sixers-Celtics example back in 81 in the regular season when winning the division truly meant something back in the day. I mean, I use that now, and I know people are always afraid of poor division winners getting, like, a home game. The NFL, I think the Seahawks went 7-9. and They hosted a playoff game against the 12-4 and Saints, and they beat them. But the funny thing is nobody remembers that four years later. I mean, I mean, I guess I do, but you have to sort of be reminded about it. No one does, and I just don't think that it, you know, it matters at the, at the grand scheme of things. But at the same time, if you make winning your division – means something or finishing first in your conference really means something other than you know home games throughout the playoffs or game seven on your floor then I just think it just adds a little bit more to that regular season and that's sort of where I come down on the regular season doesn't mean as much at least doesn't mean as much as I would say baseball or the NFL where you could have these huge mid-season matchups because if, you know, just getting into the playoffs, and I know it hurt San Antonio last year, but I think that's a singular example. But if it's just sort of just get into the playoffs, and we'll see what happens from there, if that's the way it's going to be, I, I just I think the, there could be a little bit more of the NBA if they had. Winning a division means something. Yeah. I, I think, like I said, I'm a, I'm a true believer in the fact that, you know, you have to take an, a historic view of how these things work. You know, and if 
all you have is singular examples in anything. I mean, that's all you have to point to in terms of, you know, the the overall picture of, of what you're talking about. I mean, everything is a singular example in some respect or another. Um, and I, I feel like if our end game is always to crown a champion, you know, hey, you're trying to figure out the best of the best. Nobody's going to care 10 years from now outside of a very small, specific group of people who Cleveland played in the first round. You know, um, I was at the game where Kevin Love got his shoulder yanked and, and it ended his season, you know, and, and that's significant in itself. But I'm saying Cleveland gets to the finals. They're up 2-1. They were on the verge of rendering that whole thing a footnote in their season, you know, just a small blip of what went on their season had they finished the deal. They didn't, obviously, in Golden State won the championship. But my point is all of these things, all of these markers in a season from start of training camp to the last night of the season when somebody gets a confetti shower and becomes a champion, they're all puzzle pieces that mean something to one group, it means something totally different to another one, you know. And to me, the the entire mess of them jammed together is what makes each and every NBA, NBA season spectacular to me in terms of the, the grand scope of how all of these things are interconnected. Um, and I think when you start looking at it from a very narrow view, you know, and you're just worried about – and this is the this is fandom. This is what fandom's always been about. It's about what a season looks like to this group of fans or that group of fans or this group of people. Our our charge is different as to me as media members and as chroniclers of the history of this game. You know, we have to take a broader view. I can't look at it from a, you know, I'm from Michigan. I can't look at it from a Pistons perspective when I'm when I'm working. I have to look at it from a larger overall perspective. You know what I mean? And I think. That's the the beauty and the curse of how we all look at this stuff. Everybody brings to it their own perspective of what it means and what the significance of all of these different things are when they're placed in the same context and pulled together and kind of viewed in this broader scope. And I, I just, I choose not to dismiss things like who wins a division. And I know that's tough to do, um, but to me, that's a significant marker for certain teams when you're talking about if it's a if it's a, a, a one step in a in a bigger movement for that team or, or a development of a team. I mean, I was laughing with some guys that I work with at NBA.com yesterday about five years ago. If had somebody told you the Golden State Warriors are going to be NBA champs in five years, you would have slapped them. Because for years, they've done a little more than make a playoff appearance here and there and embarrass themselves as an organization, basically. You know, for, they did that for three decades, three and a half decades. You just, you can't plan for some of the things that occur in this game, which is, a good, you know, which is to me one of the best things about it is you just don't know what's going to happen when the matchups get set and, and the playoffs come around and the nuance of each and every game starts to unfold. And I, and I like that about 
the playoffs in any sport. I love that. That's why I love that we have series and not one game scenarios in the NBA postseason, which is what makes it special to me, is that we're not relying on one-hit wonders and some team having it one night and not having it the next. And, you know, all that. I mean, there's something to be said for the way this thing is structured and, and to go about dismantling it on a whim or because the trend right now is that the West is so strong that teams who normally might be in the playoffs are not going to get that opportunity to me. That's short-sighted to me, Larry, in a lot of ways. To me, that's, that, that's looking at it from a very narrow perspective and not understanding kind of the, the grand scheme of how this game has played out over the years. Uh, you know, and it's going to be, what, 70 years old this year. I mean, we're talking 70 years, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the evolution of the NBA in this game and how it all works. And I would argue that we would we should be very cautious and careful in how we suggest things change going forward based on all that we've seen over the past 70 years. Yeah, and actually the one good thing about this is, too, is the NBA, it's not like Major League Baseball where they always seem to be stuck in the 1950s. Adam Wilson's actually pr- – uh, Adam Wilson, wow, that is about as horrendous as it gets. Adam Silver is pragmatic enough that, uh, I mean, these are suggestions that he's actually listening to. And baseball, they always seem to ignore it. And, like, whenever they do something, like interleague play, they end up just completely butchering it. And the next thing you know, you have, you know, the Red Sox opening up a season in Philadelphia or whatnot. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, now you've completely urinated all over that. But, I mean, basketball, they, they're actually willing to make these changes. And I think that's why we have so many of these discussions of what the NBA should do and what they shouldn't do. I just think that the thing that really is, it's about identifying the problem, not of what's fair and unfair or unjust or whatnot. And I just find the problem to be that I think they could actually enhance the regular season even more and maybe create more you know, rivalries or whatnot and make regular season matchups me more as I think that they just do in baseball and the NFL largely because just getting to the playoffs is just a little more complicated but I do want to switch topics here because the NBA schedule it usually comes out this time of year and I'm actually completely I mean I, I don't know what a damn thing about what's going on you're <laughs> with NBA and NBA TV um, could you update us on when we're actually going to be, be able to plan our lives this coming winter <laughs> I'm guessing it, it usually comes out uh, you know the second week of August, if if I go back and look at when I write that story every year about the schedule being released. So I would imagine sometime in the next few days, you know, we'll have the the schedule in our hands and everybody will have a chance to plan, uh, you know, their Christmas holiday. And, you know, I'm usually on the road at, on Christmas Day every year and, and have been for the last... 16, 17 years, I usually work on Christmas, which I don't mind. Um, I love having the opportunity to be at a game on Christmas Day. Um, But, yeah, I think it's definitely uh, coming out here in the next few days and people will be, you know, probably interested to see where the Mavericks and Clippers play. You know, what day is is, uh, the Mark Cuban, DeAndre Jordan? Christmas Day. Oh, Uh -oh, it's got to be. You know, you figure it has to be on Either open the night or Christmas Day. Do it on oh, Halloween fuck. or something, you know. Do it on <laughs> I'm sure Mark Cuban would appreciate it being on Halloween, but uh, you know, and opening night is always interesting. You know, you want to. To me, I love to see 
what games are on those those marquee nights, you know. Um, opening night is always good to see where the defending champs, you know, who they're playing on opening night and things like that. Um, and then you want to know who the who the lineup is on, on Christmas. Uh, Martin Luther King Day is another huge, you know, day for the schedule. Uh, you know, and, and you kind of plan a quarter. And NBA TV usually has a good, a good uh, tele- broadcast when, of when the schedule does come out. Obviously, you know it's a big thing. It's pretty much the only storyline in the month of August. But you guys do usually a pretty good job, right? When when the schedule does come out. Yes, it'll, I'm sure there'll be a um, a show that that kind of details all that stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, normally there wouldn't be a whole lot else going on in August. But uh, you know, we got USA Basketball training camp um, coming up this week which would be very interesting to see who shows up in Las Vegas um, for the mandatory. Apparently, you have to at least show up to Vegas. It doesn't mean you have to work out, but you got to be there in attendance for the meetings, I'm sure, and the pep talks from Jerry Colangelo and everybody about who's going to make the trip to Rio next summer on the Olympic team. So there will be a little more news maybe than, than normal um, in August, you know, and a little more NBA news. Uh, but a lot of it will be basic stuff. You know, and, you know, I'm curious to see Derrick Rose, I guess, is kind of not sure if he's going to continue to participate in the program based on the, you know, the requirements that they're asking everybody to show up in Vegas. Uh, LeBron is reportedly, you know, planning on being there at least for for a day to to make his appearance because they don't, you know, these guys aren't sure if they want to make that commitment a year in advance, you know, based on how your season goes based on how much basketball you will play in the calendar year between now and the Olympic process when it gets cranked up next summer. So it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, you're talking about the elite of the elite, you know, when, you, when you're when dealing with the USA basketball, the men's senior national team. And, uh, and I'm going to be curious to see who shows up out there eager for an opportunity to chase a spot on that team. Yeah, Rio is going to be a fun trip regardless, though. I know one of my friends has been big. Uh, Olympics going to Rio. I know he's big about getting down there, so he can't wait till next year. But we've had you here for a while. I got two more questions. First one, we're talking about the schedule, so I want to keep it fun. There's, they're still doing five games on Christmas. Am I am I correct? Is it five? I, I don't know how many they're going to do. To be honest with you, it, you know that's been the standard, but yeah. it could change. You never know. All right, so a little prediction game. Let's say it is the five, and they started at noon here Eastern time, and they go all the way up till as a ten thirty. Don't have to give me the matchups, but give me the ten teams you think that are going to play on Christmas Day. Uh, uh, well, you got to have a game in Madison Square Garden. Um, no matter if the Knicks are a dumpster fire or not, you got to have got to have a game at, at, at the Mecca on Christmas. So you figure the Knicks. Uh, Knicks Bulls is a popular one. Yeah, I mean you, you got to have the Knicks. You you want to have your your better team, so you, you go Knicks. And these aren't matches. I'm just yeah, like you want, you, you want you want the Celtics in there if they're viable in any way, shape, or form, which I think they will be. Um, I would make the Sixers play on Christmas just so we can see what the hell is going on. <laughs> no, no, no. Sam Hickey's bunch. I don't care who they play. They can play the the Washington Generals, but I want to see. I need to see something from Philly uh, on Christmas. Uh, Chicago. Is a, is a team that usually gets one of those assignments. Um, Cleveland, obviously. Atlanta. 
I think Washington needs to be in action um, on that day. Miami, um, the Clippers, Warriors, Thunder, Spurs. Do you think the Lakers? Do you think they'll put them on Christmas I, Day this year? I know I'm they've always been on, think, but they might bounce them out. Here, yeah, I'm sitting here saying in my head I'm about to say the Lakers, and then I'm going, I don't want to see the Lakers. <laughs> Depends on what Kobe's status is by then. But, yeah, I mean, I think the Lakers are kind of a no-brainer um, as a Christmas Day game as well. And, uh, you know, the Texas teams, I guess Houston – you know, you got the Spurs you want to see in action, but I guess Houston could be another team based on how they finished last year um, that you'd want in that mix as well. Yeah, I just hope they don't turn the Lakers into the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving if the Lakers <laughs> – I, mean, I know I really just threw a cheap shot at you. No, this, uh, listen, I used to go to those games. That, the, that that was our tradition growing up is the high school state championships in Michigan used to, you know, used to be played Thanksgiving weekend, and they still are, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't lived home in – 20 years, but the tradition was the state championships were played on one day and then, you know, the Lions played on Thanksgiving and you were, you used to ask yourself, could the team that just won the state championship compete with the Lions? So it's understandable. And then the question would be if they could compete with the Cowboys. So it was equally just annoying. (laughs) You'd always see Dallas, like the one o'clock or the 1230 game, whatever time was, was Detroit. And then it's like, oh, what's the second game? Oh, Dallas is playing uh, the Redskins. Like, oh, my goodness, this isn't worth my time. But you you mentioned they're going to get you out of here. You mentioned Kobe, what his status was. There's been some talk about this could possibly be his last year. I think this is the last year of that contract extension he signed. Yes. It was almost two years ago now where everyone was sort of scratching their heads. Yes. Do you think this is it? going to be it for Kobe? No. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess he could come back and have a monster year. Theoretically, you know, you say, oh, if he comes back and just plays out of his mind. I don't know physically if he's going to be able to do that. And I can't imagine Kobe going out on on bended knee. You know what I mean? I can't see him walking away from his career without having had a chance to to have a Kobe-like season where he's going to go out and and average 20-plus and be on a team that's competing for something more than just to get out of the, you know, the, the worst position in the lottery. And they're not going to be a playoff team this year by anybody's imagine, you know, stretch of imagination in the West. Um, so I can't, I, I just cannot for the life of me see Kobe going out like that. I, I feel like if he has to play on a one-year deal, you know, the season after this one, just so he can finish up his career the way he wants, I could see him doing it. Um, and I say that only because the competitor that he's been throughout the course of his career doesn't suggest he would be a guy who walks away with his head hanging, you know what I mean, with his tail between his legs. It's just I would imagine that Kobe has ambitions that far exceed anything we, and I, we mean in the, the general public, feel as possible for a guy at his his age, this stage of his career, with the bumps, bruises, and injuries he's dealt with here recently. I think all of us have a diminished expectation for what Kobe will do for the remainder of his career. And if his track record is any indication, he thinks we're nuts. You know what I mean? We're idiots for doubting him. 
and his mission is to prove it. Yeah, and I don't think Kobe, and I'm with you, I don't think it's his last year either. I don't think Kobe's going to go out with, oh, by the way, I'm retiring right now. I think he's going to get the grand Cal Ripken, yes. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, send away where he's getting, you know, ceremonies at other team stadiums and whatnot. Yes. Uh, maybe besides Denver. I don't think that'll happen. Um <laughs> But I, you're right. I don't see that. But I think what will be interesting to watch because I know Mitch Kupchak had something to say. Uh, you know, obviously the Lakers need a youth movement, so it'll be kind of peculiar if Kobe's going to come back and ask for some sort of one-year extension. I mean, I, yeah. I wonder if there could be a hardball game with the Lakers of all things. I, I, the thing I can't wrap my head around is Kobe finishing his career in a uniform other than the Lakers, right? Like the Knicks or something. Yeah. Could you? I mean, I was thinking about this the other day, like. Say things go awry this year in L.A., which is very possible. Could Kobe switch for for one final season and go somewhere else and chase chase the glory somewhere else? And I'm just like I don't I don't see I don't know where he'd do that, and I don't I don't know if his ego would allow that. You know, for him to I know Los Angeles wouldn't would would hate it. I know I got relatives in there all over L.A. and in Southern California. When I tell you that they are Kobe sycophants to to the extreme, that's an understatement. Oh, they I can't are. imagine they, they them stomaching. There. Yeah, I mean they. I can't see how they would survive if Kobe goes somewhere else and plays, and then is has a great season somewhere else. Like say he goes to, I mean, and just throw a team up. I think the Knicks would be. Yeah, I mean, say he goes to New York somewhere and has a, and and helps them turn things around. So it would it would be a dagger to the heart of my my friends and family that live in Southern California to see Kobe do that elsewhere. Good way to get you out of the air on that. Seiku, so happy we could finally make it happen. It's been a while since we've had you on the show. Seiku Smith, NBA.com and NBA TV. You can follow Seiku on Twitter at Seiku Smith NBA. Once again, so happy we finally made this one happen. Yeah, man, always good to argue basketball with people, man. Love it. All right, Seiku Smith, <laughs> NBA.com. We'll be back after a few words. This is Nick Gelso, co-owner and founder of CLNS Radio. Today's podcast is brought to you by Lynda.com. Lynda.com is the home of expert video tutorials. Because you're such a loyal listener of CLNS Radio, and it's 2015, you want to kick the new year off in style, claim your free trial today from CLNS by going to Lynda.com slash CLNS. That's L-Y-N-D-A.com. Slash CLNS. This is Larry H. Russell back here again, and let me tell you a little something about me. I'm always reading a book, or three, be it a revolutionary breakthrough on neuroscience such as Daniel Kamen's Thinking Fast and Slow, or even a philosophical masterpiece like Plato's Republic. I'm always doing whatever means to soak up as much knowledge as I can about the world we live in. And we can't do that without literature. But not everyone finds it convenient to carry around all six volumes of the history of the decline and fall of the Roman Empire with them. But there's a solution. My good friends over at Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audiobooks with over 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature. You don't need to be all alone creating that impossible private time with our everyday lives of chaos to do some reading and relaxing. Audiobooks are great to listen to wherever. Be it in the gym, doing chores at work or around the house, driving, riding, shopping, whatever. Audiobooks are the remedy for you. And Celtics Beat and Audible are teaming up to offer you your first audiobook for free. 
Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Celtics. Okay, thank you once again to our sponsors for all they do for Celtics Beat here on CLNS Radio. Time to go around the NBA in five. Brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. A consumer should know where their food comes from and the standards that should be adhered to. And American Farmers Network's meats are produced by the network of small family farmers who are committed to the most natural and compassionate approach to ranching. Their production standards go above and beyond even USDA regulations. And all of their certified organic beef is 100% grass-fed. From poultry to pork and, of course, beef, AFN's family ranchers are committed to providing you and your family with the healthiest, most nutritious meat so you can live the healthy lifestyle in which you have a right to. So what are you waiting for? Log on to AmericanFarmersNetwork.com and eat and live healthy today. Okay, we really haven't been going around around the NBA in five the last few weeks for this segment. Last week, we skipped the segment outright. Two weeks ago, I used it more so to focus on one storyline with the tie loss and trade and we'll do the same this week you heard me discuss the kobe bryant scenario situation if you want to call it that yet with seku there a few minutes ago when he came out this past week kobe that is into this year could not will be his last first off definitely going to reiterate what i just said a few minutes ago with seku i mean no way in freaking hell does that guy go out without a grand finale without ceremonies at every arena a farewell tour you know rip Gwyn, Kareem, Dr. J, all this silliness. Allow the NBA to line up things with televisions, you know, certain games. And who knows what Kobe would get. Pyrotechnics, the Boston Pops. You know, I shudder to think of a Kobe Bryant farewell tour. I really do. And, of course, all the Kobe fans will say, oh, he deserves it. And it's sickening. No athlete, I think, in the history of American professional sports has had such a fervent, unwavering, loyal fan base like Kobe has. I mean, I'm not talking, I'm not Jordan. Not Barry Bonds, where they worship Kobe as if he were a god. It's nothing to do with appreciate him as a player. It's just this cult of personality type following. Think mindless sheep who follow him like, you know, he's some sort of fraudulent dictator of the 20th century. That's the primary portion of the Lakers fan base. Kobe and his stormtroopers saluting their fearless leader. So, anyways, back on track here. I'm with Seku. No way does he go out this year, and I think that it is for that reason alone. Now, what to watch for is the Lakers clearly in a youth moment, clearly wanted to make a run at some free agents in the summer of 2016. No chance do they let Kobe hold them hostage, for that matter, for, quote-unquote, all he's done for the franchise, unquote. Not, you know, not this time. No, that's what the last bogus extension was for. That's, you know, thanks for all you've done, Kobe. No way does that happen here. Mitch Kupchak has already come out and stated how, you know, up in the air, giving another extension to Kobe would be. Now, does Kobe go the Willie Mays, you know, route, you know, the Jerry Rice route, and hang around, bounce around, finish his career in some obscure place? I don't know. Probably only because he does have a big enough ego and he is about proving the so-called doubters wrong, even if the doubters are imaginary individuals. He and his following make up in their heads, so that's going to be interesting to fall at the very least, particularly as the Lakers will be sputtering to another 25-30 to 30 win season. The Kobe drama, you know there will be it because the media, especially out there in Los Angeles, and especially if and when the Lakers do stink again, which we all assume they will, uh, they're going to need a storyline. Especially how big basketball is out there in Southern California. And as big as the Lakers are. And they still are even when they're terrible. 
Uh, so they're going to need something, and they'll make them up and if they have to. And they're going to have this Kobe thing going for them. And you know what? I'll be on record now. One season after this year, and I'll say it, it will be with the New York Knicks, uh, that he could definitely have an iffy falling out a la Jerry West back in 1975. Although Jerry did hang him up. I just don't see Kobe doing that. I think his ego will get in the way. He's going to want that goodbye tour. There's no doubt about it. And, of course, if there's still a good chunk of change at the end of the table, he's going to take that, too. So, all right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Around the NBN 5, brought to you by, as always, the many hardworking individuals who work on small family farms across our great country. Folks, these people do not get the credit they do. They work as hard as they do, and they love what they do. And you combine that, you put that together, that only means they raise their animals in the most humanely ways possible, which means when you consume products from AmericanFarmersNetwork.com, it is the healthiest possible food you can eat. Jared Sullinger, if we could only get you to toss away your fruit cups and your Gatorades for organic 100% grass-fed beef from that of AmericanFarmersNetwork.com, you along with anyone else would truly be able to unlock your true potential. So definitely check it out, guys. AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. That is AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. And this is, or was, for that matter, Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Premium Beat, Astrovex, and Steph LeGrateau. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our title handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. And, of course, Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. We'd love to thank our guest, Seku Smith of NBA.com and NBA TV, as well as our sponsors, Linda Audible Casper, Dr. Ron's DraftKings, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat. I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday with another edition of Celtics Beat, heard exclusively on CLNS Radio.